It's Thursday, January 18th. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. And I'm Juanita Tolliver, and this is What A Day, where we think government tracking is bad, but government tracking of dog poop? That's good. Yeah, by (laughs) March, dog owners in Italy's Bolzano province must register the DNA of their dogs so officials can track down and fine people who don't clean up their dog's abandoned poop. I'm 100% on board with this. I am very much a do not poop on my lawn type girl. Love it. Love it. (laughs) On today's show, an appeals court rules that the floating barrier in the Rio Grande must stay for now. Plus, DeSantis largely gives up on campaigning in New Hampshire before next Tuesday's primary. But first, we focus on getting aid to those in the Middle East. Yesterday, Israel and Hamas reached an agreement to get medicine delivered to Israeli hostages who have been held in Gaza in exchange for the delivery of humanitarian aid and medication for Palestinian civilians in Gaza. This deal was brokered by Qatar and France, and a shipment meant for Israeli hostages already entered the Gaza Strip yesterday as part of this deal. We know this is critical, long overdue aid based on all the aid being slowed down or blocked in the recent weeks. So tell us more about this deal and any details that we know now. Yes, these medications are being delivered because of calls from the relatives of the over 100 remaining Israeli hostages who are believed to still be alive in Gaza. At least one third of those people have chronic illnesses that require medication. They have been held captive and have been away from their homes for upwards of 100 days. The calls still remain for them to be returned home. Hamas stipulated that for every box of medication provided for those hostages, 1,000 boxes of medication should be provided for Palestinian civilians. That medication is being supplied by Qatar. And as everyone knows, Palestinians in Gaza have been experiencing an increasingly bleak humanitarian crisis over the past several months with severe shortages of food, medications, supplies, and so much more. In addition to the nearly 25,000-person death toll in Gaza, according to the UN, Gazans make up 80% of the people who are facing famine or catastrophic levels of hunger in the entire world. Every child under the age of five in Gaza is at high risk of severe malnutrition. And in addition to sweeping infections, medication shortages have led to a whole host of issues like operations being performed on children without anesthesia, just things that are completely, completely unfathomable. As every expert continues to reiterate, the scale of this crisis is simply unparalleled. Yeah, unparalleled is the right word. And speaking of that, tell us more about the latest on the ground and the devastation we're seeing. Yes. So overnight on Tuesday into Wednesday, Israeli forces advanced on the area around the Al-Nasser Hospital Complex in Han Yunus, which is a city in southern Gaza. According to NBC News, there was intense bombardment and gunfire videos posted on social media and verified by NBC show scenes of chaos around the hospital, which has become a refuge for the many, many displaced people in Gaza since the start of the war. Nearly 1.9 million people have been displaced. There were no prior evacuation orders issued or anything like that. Here is Palestinian journalist Bissan Auda, who has been reporting from the Al Nasser Hospital. But Nasser Medical Complex is now near to be invaded. It's the last functioning hospital. I'm trying to find any connection so I can tell you what is happening. The carpet bombing, the, the ambulances could not even reach the injuries or the people were killed and injured because of the carpet bombing. I'm just so grateful to Bissan for continuing to share as much as she can on a daily basis. Absolutely. You can hear it in in the background of that scene, just pure chaos. 
Israel's military has denied striking the hospital itself. They say that they opened fire after encountering a, quote, terrorist cell next to the hospital. That has not been verified. During all of this, Gaza has also been in its sixth consecutive day without phone or internet service. So people haven't been able to call for help. It's been very difficult for aid workers to get into contact and reach people who are in need. A lot of teams of aid workers have lost contact with the organizations that dispatch them is really a dire situation. According to the area's largest telecommunications provider, the downed lines have persisted because of the damaged infrastructure in Han Yunus. But this is the longest communications blackout of the nine total that Gaza has experienced since the start of this war. Yeah, just the juxtaposition of Bassan's reporting with this statement from Israel's military, like, you heard everything, y'all. The math's not quite mathing. At the start, you mentioned the new aid coming into Gaza. What else is happening on an international level at this point regarding this conflict? Yes, some new developments yesterday actually from the U.S., The U.S. Senate shelved a resolution proposed by Senator Bernie Sanders that would have frozen U.S. aid to Israel unless the State Department produced a timely report on whether or not Israel had committed human rights violations over the course of this war. Sanders didn't just come up with this resolution out of nowhere. It was filed under the Foreign Assistance Act, which lets Congress ask the State Department for this kind of information on any country that gets security assistance from the U.S. And Israel receives around $3.8 billion in that assistance from the U.S. every single year. Sanders' bill reflected growing concerns from some people here at home over the U.S.'s continued supply of assistance and arms to Israel, despite the staggering civilian death toll in Gaza. But at the end, only 11 senators voted to keep that resolution alive, while 72 Democrats and Republicans voted to table it, effectively killing the proposal. So as of now, U.S. aid to Israel will continue as usual. I just appreciate Senator Sanders and those 11 senators who broached this resolution, who are asking vital questions right now and voting for it. And thanks for that update, Priyanka. Now looking to Texas, where for now, a floating barrier in the Rio Grande will stay. Yesterday, an appeals court reversed an order requiring the state to remove it. As we've previously discussed on the show, these barriers have been the center of legal disputes between President Biden and Texas Governor Greg Abbott since they were installed last summer. And this latest reversal is a big setback for the Biden administration. All right, let's rewind for a second before we get into it. What led to this latest decision from the courts? So last July, Governor Abbott installed a 1,000-foot-long string of buoys and submerged netting in the Rio Grande near Eagle Pass, Texas, as part of his anti-immigration program. But since the Rio Grande is considered an international waterway, the Biden administration promptly filed a lawsuit calling for its removal. Now, this is where we begin the legal ping-pong match. In September 2023, a federal judge ruled in favor of the Biden administration and ordered the removal of the barrier. Abbott immediately appealed the decision, and the next day, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a halt on the removal order while it considered the case. Fast forward to December, when the Fifth Circuit made its decision and a three-judge panel sided with the lower court's ruling that the barrier was illegal. At that point, it seemed like the issue was settled with this specific court. I mean, that is until all 17 judges of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals voted yesterday and a majority wanted to vacate the previous ruling and rehear the case. If it all sounds like a mess, that's because it is a complete mess. 
Also, there's no date for the new hearing yet, but for now, the barrier can stay in place. Yeah, absolute mess, as you said. How does this all tie into the politics and the conversation around the border and the restrictions that Republicans have been pushing for? Governor Abbott and Republicans have leveraged every single opportunity and court decision to hit President Biden on the border. And Republicans have consistently had a negative view of how President Biden is handling immigration issues. Recent polling by CBS YouGov shows that two-thirds of GOP voters want U.S. policy to focus on preventing border crossings, and nearly 70% of Republicans blame the Biden administration's policy changes as the reason why more migrants are attempting to cross the border. Conversely, three-quarters of Democratic voters want the Biden administration to focus on making the asylum-seeking process more efficient, and 72% of Democrats understand that migrants are trying to cross the border due to worsening economic conditions and danger in their current locations. Of course, this data will tie into what voters want to see Biden deliver ahead of 2024, especially as House Speaker Mike Johnson and House Republicans are pushing for the reinstatement of Trump's extremist immigration policies, including, you know those throwbacks, remain in Mexico policy and building a wall. After a meeting at the White House yesterday, Johnson said he's making stuff like that a condition if Biden wants Congress to send more aid to Ukraine. Take a listen to what he said to reporters. We understand that all these things are important, but we must insist, we must insist that the border be the top priority. Okay. Okay, sir. So politics aside, the barriers that Texas has constructed at the borders are creating life-threatening situations for migrants. Can you tell us more about how that has been playing out? Right. As we've previously discussed on the show this week, a woman and two children drowned near Eagle Pass, Texas. According to a Department of Homeland Security official, federal Border Patrol agents were physically blocked from entering the area by Texas officials. And as a result, they couldn't respond to the distress call about the children and the woman who ultimately lost their lives. The Texas Military Department maintains that Mexican authorities were responding to an incident and did not require support and that Texas officials did not see any migrants in distress. I mean, even this response is inhumane. Totally. It's fully representative of the cruelty we're seeing from Texas's government. Of course, we'll keep following all of the legal drama and the border policy negotiations, but that's the latest for now. We'll be back after some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S., with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. 
What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Starting with some updates on the campaign trail, with less than a week until the Republican primary in New Hampshire, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has decided to move his campaign away from the Granite State. Instead, he will prioritize South Carolina's primary, which is February 24th. Juanita is laughing. I, I should all of you, giggling. honestly. Tickled pink. Truly. <laughs> South Carolina is the home state of his opponent, Nikki Haley, who is the former governor of the state. DeSantis is moving a majority of his staff there, and he will be in the state over the weekend to attend campaign events. His strategic decision, no quotes around that, but should be, to shift his campaign to South Carolina comes after he finished a distant second place in Iowa's caucuses on Monday. Nikki Haley herself is in New Hampshire this week, where she is polling ahead of DeSantis. Meanwhile, she had this to say when asked if the GOP is a racist party during an interview with Fox News on Tuesday. Just brace yourself. No, we're, we're not a racist country, Brian. We've never been a racist country. Oh, okay. Do they teach history in South Carolina? Just I mean... wondering. <laughs> Haley's campaign later said in a statement, quote, America has always had racism, but America has never been a racist country. This the liberal media painful. always fails to get that distinction. All right. Not like two minutes later, uh, Donald Trump was out there making racist remarks about her. So right. uh, her opinion probably is unchanged, but it just is not correct. If you're wondering where the front runner is, well, former President Donald Trump was actually in a New York courtroom much of yesterday for the defamation trial against him. And after repeatedly ignoring requests to keep it down during writer E. Jean Carroll's testimony, the judge threatened to boot him from the trial. So that is where the Republican Party is at. We have them all not on Find My Friends, because they're not our friends, but like we're keeping tabs. Not looking great. Begrudgingly. <laughs> Begrudgingly. Switching gears to the Supreme Court, the justices began hearing a couple of cases yesterday that could determine if federal agencies' regulatory power should be rolled back. Those two related cases involve a fisheries regulation. But what's really at stake is the 1984 Supreme Court ruling of Chevron versus Natural Resources Defense Council. That's the precedent that says judges should defer to federal agencies in interpreting the law when the language of a statute is too vague. 
but it's been a longtime goal of the conservative movement to have this ruling overturned and weaken the power of federal agencies. I mean, it seems like that's their playbook, you know, overturning decades of precedent. Ah, la, ro. Yes, exactly. The high court's three liberal members defended the Chevron ruling. Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson came ready as per usual. And my concern is that if we take away something like Chevron, the court will then suddenly become a policymaker. I mean, pinpointing again why they should not be overturning decades and decades of precedent. The decision is expected to drop early this summer, like your favorite mixtape. I don't know if this will be our favorite decision, <laughs> but it's stuff like this that really, it kind of flies under the radar of so much other news, but this is the stuff that really should be like kind of, I mean, there are many things that can get you animated about elections, but like right. this is a long-term thing that it's like, these are the risks of not paying attention to who is, who is prevailing in our society and who is not. Just really nefarious what they are doing here. Mm-hmm. In Wisconsin, Democrats filed a lawsuit Tuesday demanding that the state Supreme Court throw out Wisconsin's congressional maps ahead of the presidential election. The lawsuit was filed by the Elias Law Group, a Washington law firm that works to get Democrats into elected office nationwide. And the group argues that because Wisconsin's Supreme Court threw out the state's legislative maps and ordered new ones to be drawn back in December, replacing the state's congressional maps should also be on the table. The liberal majority court is currently reviewing seven proposed new maps. Wisconsin election officials say that the state's congressional maps must be replaced by March 15th to give them enough time to prepare for the state's primary in August. We love new fair maps. I feel like that's a vibe. Yep, the fair ones. Keep them coming. Federal prosecutors in Colorado filed 74 hate crime and weapon charges against the mass shooter who killed five people at an LGBTQ nightclub in 2022. We're choosing not to name him to avoid giving him notoriety. He's expected to plead guilty and may be sentenced for more than a century in prison for the shooting. The shooter already pleaded guilty to the state charges against him and is currently serving five life sentences without the possibility of parole. But this new development is part of a plea agreement with the Justice Department that it will not seek the death penalty against him. And just for context, the death penalty is not legal in Colorado. But the DOJ does have the option of seeking it with a limited set of crimes. Relatedly, there's an update on the 2022 mass shooting at a grocery store in Buffalo, New York. Federal prosecutors said last week that they will seek the death penalty against a white supremacist who killed 10 black people in that tragedy. Moving on to the latest on the inspections into Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes, you'll remember that the Federal Aviation Administration grounded 171 MAX 9s earlier this month after a door panel blew off of an Alaska Airlines plane mid-flight. Continues to be the source of my nightmares. Well, yesterday, the FAA said that the first round of inspections of 40 of those planes have been completed. Next, the agency will review the data from them. But all MAX 9s with door panels will remain grounded while the FAA finalizes the inspection and maintenance process. In a statement, the agency said, quote, the safety of the flying public, not speed, will determine the timeline for returning these aircraft to service. That is the correct answer. Yes. And in relevant news, Secretary of State Antony Blinken's trip from Switzerland back to Washington, D.C. was actually delayed yesterday due to an issue with his plane, which was a modified Boeing 737 business jet, though it was an older model than the MAX 9. According to Politico, Blinken and his team were told that the plane was unsafe to fly due to a previously detected oxygen leak. They were then forced to deplane and switch planes. The Secretary of State was still expected to return yesterday night, though later than planned, understandably. Secretary of State's, they get delayed just like us. 
for they aren't flying spirit though right not like us like like some of you out there (laughs) (laughs) they're not doing spirit and finally Thousands marched the streets of Honolulu on Wednesday for the annual Onipa'a Peace March, a tradition that commemorates the day that the United States illegally overthrew the Hawaiian kingdom. Wednesday marked 131 years since armed American troops stormed Iolani Palace, the home of Hawaii's first queen and the kingdom's last reigning monarch, Queen Lili Uokalani. On January 17, 1893, they held her at gunpoint, demanding that she give up her throne, and she surrendered on the condition that the Hawaiian people would be protected from violence and that she would one day be reinstated. Obviously, that never happened. And decades later, the islands became the nation's 50th state. I feel like this is another important reminder to know your history and the history of America as a racist nation, you know. Every year, large crowds gather on January 17th to walk from Mauna Ala Royal Mausoleum, the resting place of Hawaii's monarchs, to Iolani Palace in honor of the queen and her legacy. If you want to dive deeper into this day in history, listen to our special episode, Hawaii in American Coup, from last year to learn more. The link is in our show notes. Again, folks, educate yourself. The information is there. The information is there. Even if you listened to it last year, now is a great time to just refresh your memory. I'm sure there are things you forgot. Someone who should listen to it, Nikki Haley. I don't... Come on. She didn't didn't get this (laughs) lesson in school. She didn't get a lot of them, apparently. And those are the headlines. One more thing before we go, we have a mass murderer on the loose in America, and it is fentanyl. It is a cheap white powder, and it kills more than 70,000 people each year in the U.S. On this week's America Dissected, Dr. Abdul El-Sayed reflects on the way that our fractured communities left us vulnerable to opioid addiction, and he sits down with the director of National Drug Control Policy to talk through solutions at the federal level. The episode just dropped, so you can listen in the America Dissected feed now. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, trade in that 737 Blinken, and tell your friends to listen. And if you are into reading and not just 23andMe reports about dog poop like me, for <laughs> today is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Juanita Tolliver. And, and scoop that poop. The proposed fines for this are apparently like over a thousand US dollars, which is absolutely wild. I don't know how I feel about it. I know you're still pro. I feel like even though it's a big amount, it's all about changing the behavior. And if you just throwing around $1,100 casually over dog poo, then you you operate in a whole nother plane. <laughs> what a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producer is Itzi Quintanilla. Raven Yamamoto and Natalie Bettendorf are our associate producers. And our showrunner is Leo Duran. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 